We are one week away from Easter, my friends, and we are on the last Sunday of a series of Lenten messages when we've been invited to think about what it means for us to let go, uh, to let go of things, important things, that might get in the way of us saying yes to God, following Jesus with our whole lives. Um, And so today is the last installment of that series. You heard the scripture read earlier of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the anthem that announces that same exciting moment. And I hate to steal your joy, but you know, for all the fanfare, we know that what's coming isn't all joy this week, right? Things change. And pretty quickly as it goes. Let me invite you to take a moment and pray with me uh, in sharing a message for us today as I pray for you in receiving that. Would you pray? Come Holy Spirit and breathe life into the words that I speak. That they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives on this day. Amen. You know, it could have gone so much differently. For some time now, as we read it in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been on the way to Jerusalem. He had set his face toward Jerusalem and without looking back was headed there for this time of Passover. And as he is journeying along the way, he stops in various towns, and there are moments of healings, and moments of teachings, and good news brought to people who didn't have it before. And as all of this is happening, people get excited. More people decide to join the processional that Jesus and his disciples are in the middle of, heading to Jerusalem. And so the crowd grows over time on that road toward Jerusalem. By the time we get to the beginning of today's passage, we're now at Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. a a place that's just a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. So we are entering the home stretch. We're almost there. And while we're there, Jesus gives those instructions to a couple of his disciples to go and to untie a colt and a donkey and to bring them to him. And they do as he has instructed them. And perhaps they all, along with the crowds that are following, rest for a night And then in the morning, when the disciples put their clothes on those two animals, and when Jesus mounts one of them, and they're ready to start the journey into Jerusalem now, the expectations that were already there for him surely became heightened in that moment. I mean, after all, he was now for the last part of the journey going to ride a donkey an animal that was known to be a part of coronations before him. Even Alexander the Great had chosen a donkey as what he would ride in as a part of his becoming king. Wow, what the crowd must have been thinking. It's really going to happen. Messiah is here. So here they go. 
Perhaps some in the crowd ran ahead of Jesus and the disciples, wanting to get to Jerusalem first and spread the news to others who were there. Others chose to take some of their garments and lay them on the road for Jesus to pass through. Even others cut down palm branches and laid those on the road as well. What a scene it was that day. Jesus riding into town to a hero's welcome. Hosanna, the crowd shouts. Hosanna in the highest. Now, admittedly, perhaps not everyone in town was so excited about Jesus' arrival. There were some who had heard some things that concerned them, troubled them, so they weren't quite as enthused. But the truth was that at that particular moment, never had Jesus' approval ratings been higher. Now was a fantastic opportunity. There were those who were already a part of the crowd, and there were others in town who were curious and wanted to know more. Who is this, they said. So this week represented the perfect opportunity for Jesus to seal his place, to lead the people who were ready to follow him. So he could have done some things differently. I mean, a healing of the right person that was connected to an important person in town, that that could have gone a long way toward raising those approval ratings even more. Some strategic conversations with leaders in the temple would have helped. Building alliances with people who were already people of power and influence in the city could have made a difference. And then he had to go and mess it all up. Jesus, not doing what the crowd expected him to do, not coming to be Messiah in quite the way they had envisioned, he had to go and mess it all up. I mean, no sooner has he dismounted the animal than he's off to the entrance of the temple where he confronts those who are selling things, the money changers, as we are most familiar with hearing them called. I mean, why, why did he have to start that way? It was a long-standing tradition for people to be selling animals in front of the temple. I mean, after all, people showed up in Jerusalem and they needed an animal to be able to present for sacrifice, especially poor people who didn't have animals on their own farms or on their own land. So, so why shouldn't they be there selling them? I mean, people just trying to make a living, and if they charged a little extra because they were right next to the temple, who's going to notice? But Jesus did. And so he comes in flipping the tables over, questioning their integrity. Why do you have to start that way? Then the religious leaders get involved. They want to know more about who this guy is. And so they start asking him questions about exactly who he thinks he is. And rather than giving them straight answers, he responds to their questions with questions. You know, if you want to win friends and influence people, that's probably not exactly what they're looking for. They walk away with some egg on their face. He's just embarrassed them. What, what was he doing? 
And then as if that wasn't enough, he comes into town announcing a new order of things. It's not going to be like it's always been. Those who've been first will be last. Those who've been last will be first. The people in power at the moment have the most to lose. And to make matters worse in their minds, it's to the people that they despise and the ones who they think deserve it the least. People that Jesus talks about like tax collectors and prostitutes. What in the world is Jesus thinking He could have ridden those approval ratings so much better if he had wanted. But the only one whose approval mattered was the one who sent him. And so Jesus chooses the path of obedience, truthfulness, justice. The past few weeks, we've been considering what it looks like for us to let go of our own ideas for Jesus and for us in order to accept His. And if anything, these weeks have shown to us that following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. Today, as we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem and then how he begins to speak and to act in that city, the final lesson is that it will also require letting us letting go of popularity, at least when popularity keeps us from being faithful. Now, that can be hard for us to see or to recognize in a 21st century American context. Because the truth is, it's pretty easy and comfortable to be both Christian, or at least to say you're Christian, and to be popular at the same time. Any of us can choose to wear a cross around our neck, or in one or both ears, or hang one from our rearview mirror, or in our homes. And people are going to be just fine with that. And in fact, in some circles, we will become even more popular because we do. We can put bumper stickers on the back of our vehicles, or on our laptop, or on our window, or wherever, that have pithy sayings about God's blessings over us. And people will love that. Businesses actually can see an uptick in sales when they declare that they are faith-based. And we love athletes who pray after touchdowns and write scripture verses on their sneakers. In such an environment, there is a temptation to keep faith safe and easy and comfortable. In such an environment, there is a risk that we will not follow faithfully. In such an environment, it becomes possible for us to applaud the politician who panders to the religious crowd with God bless America, but reject the prophet who asks America to do better when it comes to violence and homelessness, 
and the education of our children, especially the poorest ones, it becomes far too likely that we may not show the courage that it takes to really follow Jesus. Holy Week, my friends, is anything but safe, easy, and comfortable. On the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, it was easy to be a part of the crowd. You were in good company to shout Hosanna. But the question for us today is, who will stay with him this week? Who will stay with him when he disrupts our distorted notions of fairness in the marketplace? Who will stay with him when he speaks truthfully to power? Who will stay with him when he opens the door to the banquet hall for the people we've been trying to keep out and then turns around and offers them the seats of honor? If you're not sure about all this, just go back and read the Gospels. Who will stay with him when he's on trial and the authorities come looking for us to ask how we knew him? Who will stay with him when he is on the cross and desperate for something to drink? Who will stay with him when he has breathed his last, his bruised and beaten body lifeless, and others have fled fearing their own safety? Holy Week is anything but safe, easy, and comfortable. On the day Jesus entered Jerusalem, it was easy to be a part of the crowd. But at the end of the week, who will still be there to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? And so... My friends, I invite you to consider this week what it means to stay with Jesus even when it's not popular. What it might mean for us to stay with Jesus when it's not comfortable, when it's not easy, and perhaps even when it is not safe. Let me invite you to try something this week. This morning we have read from the 21st chapter of Matthew. From there to the end of the gospel, there are eight chapters. So I want to invite you to go home and read chapter 21 today. And then read one chapter each day the rest of the week. Pay attention to Jesus in the city of Jerusalem this whole week and what it all leads to. And then when you wake up next Sunday morning, read chapter 28 where we hear the good news about resurrection with a whole new set of eyes. When Jesus came, he fulfilled the prophecy about one who would come to be Messiah and who would do so 
in a way that was not the way people had planned or had anticipated. Isaiah tells us about that suffering servant in the 53rd chapter. Who can believe what we have heard? And for whose sake has the Lord's arm been revealed? He grew up like a young plant before us, like a root from dry ground. He possessed no splendid form for us to see, no desirable appearance. He was despised and avoided by others. A man who suffered, who knew sickness well. Like someone from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. And we didn't think about him. It was certainly our sickness that he carried and our sufferings that he bore. But we thought him afflicted, struck down by God and tormented. He was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole. And by his wounds, we are healed. Hosanna indeed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.